What's going on, everyone? Thanks so much for checking out Opinionated Sports. Took a little break there for a minute, but we are recharged, refilled, and ready to go. Uh, I know I'm fired up. Got a lot of good topics to talk about. Got my buddy Dan here with us, as always. Dan, how you doing? I'm good. I think the question everybody wants to know is, do you have a tan? <laughs> uh, well, actually, I do have a tan. Luckily, it was sunburned, and it hurt really bad, but it turned into tan. So I uh, nice. can't complain <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> Uh, so somebody wants to go California dreaming on me. I know, man. It was a last-minute decision. Uh, got offered to go out there. My dad had to go out on business, and it was my spring break. It just happened to be, and I just offered he couldn't tr- turn down, you know? <laughs> I don't blame you. I would have left you for Cali, too. <laughs> no hard feelings. So, uh, you know, I want to jump right into the MLB because there's something that's been brewing for a while now that I think is finally coming to light, and we have guys like Bryce Harper talking about it. And, you know, specifically talking about Bryce Harper – he mentioned how the game is tired and, uh, you know, tired, meaning it's just old fashioned rundown. It needs some excitement. It needs energy. And I completely agree. I've been saying this for a while now. Uh, I'm pretty sure you have too. What, what are your thoughts on Harper's comments? Um, I think Bryce had the right intention, but <clears throat> excuse me, the way he explained it was the wrong way. He talked about, you know, emotion in the game. Like, you know, if he gets struck out in a, right. in a pitcher or fist bumps or whatever, he's like, yeah, you know what? Emotion's been in the game, you know, for years, okay? You know, we can go to Batista's bat flip last year, which obviously caused an uproar. But, you know, you know, um, Ricky Henderson, when he hit a home run, had to do a dance. You know, we had the Sosa thing. Uh, you know, Reggie Jackson used to stare down home runs for 10 minutes. Yep. Uh, Fisk, you know, waving the ball. I mean, emotion's been in the game forever, so I don't want to. I don't want to get there. But you know, when we talk about how the game is boring, and you know, okay, we already had the discussion about bringing the youth in and what that 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 involves. So we're not yeah. going to go back down that right. road. But you want to talk about how the game is boring, and you know, you want excitement in the game. Look at all the rules that we have in place now for safety concerns and what that's taken out of the game. There's no more, you know, home plate collisions and things like that. You know, even now with the new rule at second base, they've taken the neighborhood play out and things like that. The game, you know, even as far back as 10, 15 years ago is completely different than it is now, let alone Absolutely. going back generations. So it this isn't a generational thing it's a game thing they've changed the game as it's played and you know for people you know we always talk about what's going on with football and cte and you know people retiring early and, and what could happen to football down the line you know we're now we're going down that road with baseball we're already losing eyes with baseball and now we're going to talk and now we're trying to tweak the game even more that's not the way to go about this right you know I I have like contra- contrasting opinions on what Harper said because part of me agrees with it and part of it doesn't. You know, my one thing that I would say is there just aren't a lot of superstars in the MLB. I mean, there are, but there it's not like the NBA or the NFL where these guys are, you know, signing 100 million dollar contracts with Nike and Under Armour and all that stuff. And I just feel like it's because you're not really allowed to have a personality in baseball. Like there is emotion. People get excited when they strike someone out when they do this or that, but like for instance, when Bautista flipped the bat, I mean, people were freaking out, acting like that he had just shot someone in front of a, a whole stadium of people. And I just feel like the game needs anything that it can get to be more exciting because, I mean, I played four years of college baseball, so I obviously find it exciting. But what's the average person that doesn't know the ins and outs and the little nuances, you know, and doesn't just love the game? You know, what are they, how are they going to find it exciting? Because at football, at least you're having these big collisions. It's exciting. You know, stuff's going on even if you don't really understand what's happening in basketball, same thing. But, you know, with baseball, with especially since offense is just getting dominated right now by pitching, I just feel like they need anything that they can do to spark up the game. And I think that's what Bryce meant to say, but I think you're right. He kind of said it the wrong way. But I do think Bryce is the person that needs to be saying it because, you know, if there's one person that can sell tickets to an MLB game, it's Bryce Harper. I mean, Mike Trout, in my opinion, I think he's the better overall player, but Bryce Harper is the more exciting player to watch. So he's the one that can bring, you know, he's he's got the star power and the potential. So I think he's the right person to be making these kind of statements. And uh, I just think baseball really needs to figure out a way to make things more exciting. <clears throat> I just I disagree with you on the on the marketing thing. I mean, 
I mean, you bring up Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's in commercials now. I mean, you know, same thing with Trout. And think about, you know, you want to talk about a guy who was charismatic and had a flair. Think about Ken Griffey Jr. Okay? He was a man. Griffey, Griffey had Nike. He had his own swingman thing. I mean, you can market yourself as a baseball player. The problem with baseball as opposed to almost any other of the four major sports is baseball is when it comes to the quote-unquote superstars, more than 50% of them come from other countries. Yep. It's True. not American. That's the problem. True. You know, think of, think of football. All of them are American. You know, basketball, you know, while there's more of a European, you know, influx now, you know, still the, the, the Kobe's, the LeBron's, the Mellows, you know, American, you know, hockey, you know, while, you know, Canadian is, is the same, you know, we don't think of Canadian as any different, you know. And I mean, look at look, and even Ovechkin, he's from Russia and they've made a whole thing out of him. So baseball is completely different as opposed to any of the other sports. You can market yourself, but A, you've got to be American and B, you've got to be able to know how to do it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I, I guess my main point is baseball is just not this exciting sport where you have things going on like Cam Newton dabbing on the sidelines, regardless of if that irritates people or not. You know, it gets ratings, it gets people fired up, and there's just not a whole lot of it because it's so frowned upon by these unwritten rules of baseball that were written hundreds of years ago. I just, I, I think there's some changes that need to be made. I don't know if anyone knows what's right. They might just have to experiment and see what happens. But I'm glad to see some light being shed in the situation because it's no secret that MLB is getting left behind in ratings behind the NBA and NFL for various reasons. But also in the MLB, very interesting situation with Adam LaRoche, who I love because he was a great brave back in the day. I mean, he was fantastic. Had a really, really just awesome career. He's a great player. And, excuse me, he he's had this situation with the White Sox and his son and it's caused a huge uproar because you know the White Sox are not going to let him bring his son every single day to the park blah 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 personally you know it's a it's a weird situation because you have some White Sox players reportedly went and talked to the GM or whoever about it saying it was a problem and you have guys like Chris Sale freaking out that that he's not allowed to do it you know in my opinion it's a professional work environment it's a job there's no job in America really where you can bring your son to work every day and I get it you know it's cool and I think it I think it's great if he could come some but every single day it might end up being a distraction you know what how did you feel about LaRoche and his son you have used the same analogy that a ton of people have worked up you know this is why they created father son you know bring your kid to work day yeah how many jobs in America are you making 13 million dollars a year to do Okay, in which you're playing a game, by the way. Kids have been in the clubhouse for years. Where do you think Ken Griffey Jr. was when he was a kid? Okay, and and besides all that, okay, let's take all that out of the equation. Okay, look at what LaRoche said in his statement. It was a contractual agreement. If that is true, then this is way bigger than that because, you know, on the one hand, White Sox fans and, and, and other people have looked at it as, you know, well, maybe Kenny Williams did went about this the wrong way. But in the end, they took a guy who couldn't hit his weight last year and they just saved themselves $13 million. If this was a contractual agreement, you did not save yourself $13 million because you can guarantee that the MLB Players Association and Adam LaRoche will go after every last dime of that $13 million if that was in the contract. Absolutely. And you're right. If, if that is true and that was in the contract, well, that's a whole different scenario and that completely changes things. Now, to your point about it being a game and King Griffey Jr. and all that, I agree. And I do think that the kids should be allowed to come, but I think there becomes a point where the dad is more worried about his son than he is about work listen, and spending time with his son. Don't you think that could take away from some of listen, this extra work? This is, if this was the regular season, then I could see, you know, like, listen, he can come in the clubhouse, yep. you know, you know, X amount of hours before the game and then, you know, X amount of hours after the game or whatever, you know, he wants to be out there during BP or whatever. That's fine. It's spring training. OK, if you're a regular like LaRoche's, OK, you're doing your work on the field yeah, beforehand. You're maybe getting a couple of this is it's it's stupid. OK, and more importantly, you want to look at the grand scheme of things. You just pissed off the best player you got on that team in mm. Chris Sale. Yep. Okay, that is the last thing you want to do. 
And I understand that Kenny Williams isn't the GM anymore. But if you think that if the White Sox have a bad year this year, his job isn't in, on the line at the end of the year or even sooner, you're eating Frosted Flakes a whole lot more <laughs> than most people. Yeah, um, and I, I, you know, that's a good point, and I agree. I, I'm not sure if LaRoche was having a problem. You know, I, I don't know if he was planning on having his son there that much in the regular season or not. That would definitely be a problem for me. Spring training, I have no problem with it. I mean, these guys have won it bad an inning and leave anyways. I mean, it's just... Once, especially for a vet like that, you go there, you get your work, you know what you have to do, you've kind of earned that. So I do think that for spring training, at least, it should definitely be allowed. And then it should be allowed in the regular season to an extent. Um, oh, here's but- the thing. Okay, the kid had not only his own jersey, but his own locker. They had him set up. Uh. Okay, that that's more than... I just bring my kid around from time to time. That is where they know he was an integral part of that on an everyday basis. Okay. And, and a good group of the White Sox players have said that, you know, they're used to him being there. He's not an issue, whatever. Now, if this is a, if this is a set of new players coming in and having an issue, then why wasn't there a team meeting? Why did they go to Kenny Williams? And why did Kenny Williams have three different stories and all this? It's, it is a huge, huge mistake and cluster, you know what. And I'm telling you, this is the very beginning yeah. of a huge storm. Yeah, I think so. I think this is definitely not the last we're going to hear about it. And it's going to probably be a precedent for a lot of things that happen in the future. Um, also in MLB, obviously big game going on in Cuba. It's a huge deal with all the stuff between America and Cuba. Hun- tons of businesses are opening up, American businesses in Cuba. President Obama's going down there. For, or I think he's already down there, actually, for this game. Um, I, I, I think it's really cool. And Cuba, I think, ha- you know, actually I know for a fact, has played a big part in MLB baseball and just baseball in general, they love it. So I think this is great for the game. What do you think about it? Well, if you remember, we had talked about before how they had put in that request for the uh, the bill or whatever it was in an effort to try and help the relations uh-huh. in an effort to get – well, in, in a way, they've already – this trip was the first step in trying to help those relations. And before uh, the first pitch of the game has even been thrown, I think they've already succeeded in that. Because in the, you know, the regulations that they have between U.S. and Cuba, the United States has actually relinquished a handful of those rules, which would now allow players to come from Cuba into the major leagues without a big issue. So that already is a huge win for Major League Baseball, and that's before the first pitch of a game has already been thrown. Definitely. Um no doubt, and it's kind of cool to watch because I feel like, like you said, I feel like in the MLB and baseball is really helping these relations between uh, the U.S. and Cuba, and I don't know to what extent that's true, but it just seems to be the case to kind of bringing people together, which is really cool. You know, I think I think that's one of the great things about sports is it can bring people together from different religions, races, you know, cultures, whatever the case may be. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what unfolds in Cuba for sure. The other cool thing for me, at least, is, you know, I, I it's it's the Rays, okay? So you're not exactly getting, you know, the 27 Yankees here. And, you know, I, 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 Archer's going to pitch tomorrow. How deep in the game he's going to go remains to be seen. Yeah. But, you know, the, big, the biggest problem I have with the WBC, which is doing the qualifying right now, is, I mean, when you look at Team USA every year and the roster that they throw out, that's not the best that TBUSA has. That's the best of who is willing to come. And this True. is probably the closest you're going to get to seeing, you know, because Cuba's going to trot out who Cuba's got. Cuba, you know, Cuba's here to make a statement. Don't think anything less than that. But, I mean, you're going to get a realistic idea of what a major league-oriented team can do against the Cuban national team. Like I said, I mean, this isn't, you know – an outfield of Trout, Harper, and Stanton versus the Cuban team or something like that, or, you know, Kershaw against Cuba. But nevertheless, I mean, this gives you just a little better idea of how we quote-unquote match up against Cuba as opposed to what we see in the WBC. Because like I said, you know, every, every other country in the WBC gets 80% or more of their top-tier talent to play on that team. I mean, you. I mean, just look at right now in the qualifying. You know, the Panamas and the and the Colombias and all uh-huh. that. Guys left their teams in spring training to go play in the qualifying. 
USA never gets close to half of their top-tier talent on that team. Never. Literally never. never. That's that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that, and that <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Um, that is pretty cool, though, if you really sit back and think about it. I, I think that's definitely something to be said. And, you know, it's just going to be cool to see what unfolds in Cuba. I think it has a lot of potential. I think it could bring a lot of talent to the major leagues. Um but we'll see. You know, you never know. It might end tomorrow. It might go forever. So we, we will see what happens with the MLB in Cuba and really just the U.S. and Cuba in general. Um, switching gears to basketball, man, March Madness is just – this might be the craziest March Madness ever, at least one of them. And, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it's going to slow down any moment. All number one seeds are still in there. So not too much craziness at the very top. But besides that, I mean <laughs> – anyone's fair game you saw it last night you know wisconsin xavier that was so awesome that that finish i mean it's just been buzzer beater after buzzer beaters upset after upset uh anything in particular that really caught your eye in march madness so far well i you know where to start and i you know the craziness it's funny because you know we talk about how all the one seeds are still in and all the talk about was how all these top tier teams had all these losses. And, you know, this was the gear that one seeds are really ready, you know, to be plucked. And yet here are the one seeds and all the craziness has happened below. But, um, you know, you talked about the, the Wisconsin bu- buzzer beater uh, yesterday. You know, they're going to play Notre Dame, who won on the, on the buzzer beater, the tip in uh, against uh, Stephen F. Austin yesterday. Um, you know, be we'd be stupid not to bring up the, the Texas A&M Northern Illinois game and the, just that complete meltdown in the final 30 seconds. Um, you know, in a way, I'm in a way I'm a little surprised, you know, Villanova's history says not to buy into them and here they are mm-hmm. in the sweet 16. Yep. Usually they don't get here. Um, you know, Duke on a down year yet here they are in the sweet 16, you know, um, you know, my, my, uh, my, my, my personal fave college Gonzaga here on, on what is a quote unquote down year for them. They're in the sweet 16 and now they're a Syracuse went away from getting to, to the elite eight again, you know? So, I mean, there are a lot in the end here, you know, as we look at the sweet 16 with, with all four number one still there, you know, and, you know, you've got your Villanovas and your Miamis and your Oklahomas. The Final Four is still shaping up to be, you know, the usual who's who. But there's still plenty of possibility here for chaos. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> plenty of possibility for chaos. And, I mean, honestly, I mean, you could have the number one versus the last seed, and I would still not be sure who's going to win. Just because, this, first of all, this whole year has just been insane. I mean, this whole year, it's, it's been like this, really. So I guess we shouldn't be too surprised. But, I mean, it's just been fantastic to watch, really. Who, who you got to win it all? Is there one team in particular you think uh, that right. is going to get it? I need to preface this. Okay, my bracket is already done. Right, right. I had Michigan State, and uh, I didn't get out of the first round. So that, um, you know, maybe I'm not exactly the best person to, um, to be picking who's going to win. Uh, but... You know, if you're going to ask me now, I, you know, I feel like I'm going with a majority, but it'd be hard to, to say with who's left that Kansas wouldn't probably yeah. be your, your overall pick. Yeah. I mean, you know, Carolina's going to have a tough game with Indiana here in the Sweet 16. You know, I'm still not sold on Nova. Are they going to get past no, Miami? You know, Duke, you know, Duke is Duke. They could upset Oregon. Uh-huh. Oklahoma's got A&M that's a good you know so there's still you know it just seems like if you're looking at roads and, and who's got the, the clearest path it, it's probably it's probably Kansas unless you buy into Virginia which uh I'm not I, I, I just can't really a, buy into Virginia I don't know what it is I just can't really do it but I'm with you uh Kansas they were my pick to win it all and it's kind of funny I was sitting right next to him in the airport, actually, on the way back from California, and just looked like a bunch of regular dudes, but they can ball for sure. So they're my pick. I think they're I think they're definitely the most solid team, really, in all college basketball, but definitely of all the teams left. But with that being said, I mean, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they slept, uh, slipped up and lost because it's just crazy. I mean, you really can't you can't predict any of this. It's just kind of just got to sit back and watch it. Um, so you know, a lot of, lot of really good action. 
uh, coming up here soon with March Madness, and obviously we've had a ton. Now, going up to the NBA, um, pretty pretty cool stuff going on. Warriors and Spurs. My Spurs, not really my Spurs, but I do like them a lot. They, they got the big W. Stay undefeated at home. Uh, Steph Curry was like 1 for 9, 1 for 10, something like that. Do you put any stock into this victory, or is it just another regular season win? I put some stock into this, and I want to explain why. The West is a two-team race. Okay, that that's plain and simple. Remember that on the Warriors championship run last year, they didn't have to they didn't have to play the Spurs in in a series. So, and I get that the Spurs are older and whatnot, but the Spurs, as you have seen here through the regular season, are taking precautions in trying to rest those yeah. guys for that run. So here's here's the stock that I'm going to take in this. The last time the Warriors won in San Antonio, both Tim, Tim Duncan was in Wake Forest and David Robinson wasn't on the court. Wow. That's how long ago that was. Okay, that means that Steph Curry, who has been in the league now for a while, has never won in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Now, seven-game series, with that in mind, who do you have more faith in to win one game on the other's court? San Antonio or Golden State, all right? And that's, you know, and you can argue over who's going to get home court. It's probably still going to be Golden State. But but at the end of the day, I, you know, until I mean, Golden State's going to have three cracks at it, okay? Plain and simple. And we all know with their shooting ability that any night they can get yeah. hot, you know, and whatever. You know, Curry's not going to have, you know, a night like he had on Saturday yeah. every night. But nevertheless, you know, it, it, there's too much of a gap there to say that it's not something. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, the Spurs are just so impressive. And something that I don't know if a lot of people think about, this might be the best Spurs team they've had in the past, like, 10 years. I mean, these guys are legit. I think a lot of it comes down to LaMarcus Aldridge because – we haven't really seen him play in in the primetime and big-time playoff games, so I'm not really sure how he's going to come out and play. I have all the faith in the world in Kawhi Leonard. I think he's the best overall player in the NBA, defense, offense, whatever. He's a stud, man. He, he's as good as it gets, and he's obviously kind of taking the reins from Tim Duncan uh, once he steps down. People, but <laughs> Go ahead. People tend to forget, you know, we talk about Golden State in this dynasty that they could be building because – let us not forget, they have one title. They're not a dynasty yet, so let's slow that down. Right. Okay? But people tend to forget that before this Golden State dynasty, the Spurs were the dynasty. Okay? Just a few years ago, there were Ray Allen Miracle 3 away and, and, a, and a rare Popovich miscoached scenario mm-hmm. and having yet another title. Okay? Why you wouldn't have Tim Duncan on the floor in a rebounding situation is beyond me. But, you know... Nevertheless, the Spurs and that core are a dynasty. They've got the rings to prove it. Golden State's still building toward that. They've only got one. They haven't shown that they can do it again yet. A great regular season is all well and good, but it's a great regular season. Ask LeBron how good regular seasons work out. Definitely. And, you know... It's just this. Spur- the Warriors are having one of the best seasons ever, but so are the Spurs. So I mean, it's not. They're just not going to cakewalk through it. This, like we said, the Spurs haven't lost in like ten years at home. It is. It is highly possible. Now the Spur, because of the way the Spurs are doing this and how they rest teams, they they are they probably won't. But it's highly possible you're going to have two teams that can win seventy games. Which is just, I mean, literally insane if you think about that. Um, and even if they don't both win 70 games, they're both going to be really close, which is just insane, like we said. It's a shame that they can't just play for the title because no doubt about it, these are the two best teams in the NBA. It's just no question about it. Um, I don't know. It's going to be awesome. I, I don't know if I've ever been this excited for NBA playoffs solely because of this matchup. I mean, I just can't wait. It's going to be I'm amazing. Not, I'm not excited for the playoffs. Okay, what? I'm excited. I, I'm not. Because what what get, what what series are you going to be excited for in the first round, or even the second round? Well, I think I think you know the Clippers and Thunder bring a lot of excitement. You know, regardless of that, they're serious. I don't care. Oh come on, you don't want to see KD you wake, and Russ wake, West out there. Wake me up when the Spurs and the and the and the Warriors meet, and then wake me up for the finals. You know, when LeBron's waiting to lose again. Well, all right. So you just said. 
wake you up in the finals when LeBron's waiting to lose again. So what does that tell me what you think about the East? Obviously, the East isn't as good as the West. We've touched on it briefly before. We touched on it before, and I'm going to go back because I'm going to shoot the biggest hole in this Raptors argument that anybody can put. Okay. Okay. The Raptors are a game behind the Cavaliers for the one spot right now. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let's say that for some reason Cleveland slips up and they flip-flop and Toronto gets the one. Okay? The Bulls, who are usually a contender at this time of year and are just a complete mess right now, are floundering somewhere between getting in and not getting in. So let's say Toronto gets the one and the Bulls finish eighth. You know what Toronto's record against the lowly Bulls is this year? What's that? 0-4. Mm. You know when the last time Toronto beat Chicago was? When? Like, back when Nixon was president. <laughs> Toronto uh. is owned by the Bulls. If that turns into a 1-8 matchup, Toronto won't have to worry about LeBron because they're not going to get out of the first round. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I... Oh, I'll put... If, if that's a 1-8 matchup, if Toronto's the one, Chicago's the eight, I'll put money on it. I'll put money on it. I just feel like you can't judge a playoff series based on the regular season. No, here's what I can judge on, okay? Paul Gasol, Derek Rose, Jimmy Butler. Those three. You know what they all have in common? What? Deep playoff runs and experience. Yeah. You know what Toronto has in common? Losing. They definitely do. Didn't they get swept last year in the playoffs? Toronto, I'm pretty sure they did. First round. They, they suck. That's yeah. what they, they suck. Sure now, this is a different team. There's no oh, doubt. Oh, I don't want to hear that. It's a different team. But yeah, the Clippers were a different team last year, too. Yeah, they were. But with the Bulls, you don't know which D. Rose is going to show up. You don't know if it's going to be the good D. Rose or the one that's going to put up seven points and just be a non-factor. Anybody who's paid attention and watched D. Rose over the last three weeks to a month has seen the old D. Rose start to come. Okay? With, with, but with, with Gasol down and with Butler down, Rose has had to be the focal point, and the old Rose has started to come back up. I, Rose is, listen, he's never going to be the MVP that he was, okay? And, you know, two years from now, he's probably not even going to be a bull. He might not even be a bull next year. Yeah. But as far as this year, if they get in, which is still a big if, he's the least of my concerns. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Jimmy Butler's my guy. He is He's such a stud. I, I love watching him play. He plays with so much passion, and it's so clear that he's just the guy on that team. So they go as he goes, in my opinion. But they do need D. Rose to keep playing like he's been playing. I'll tell you what, though, my Hawks, man, they've been looking pretty good lately. All right, here we go with the ball. <laughs> they have, man. They've been looking you know, pretty, pretty good. You know, you know what? Just just going back to the Bulls real quick, You know, we talk about most improved player this year. You know, and people have talked about Steph Curry because he's, you know, as good as he was last year, he's been even that much astronomically good. You know, you could look at like a guy like Kemba Walker, who's having a great year. He's not, I'm not saying he should get consideration for the award or he's even in the discussion, but you know who has had a, 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 just a phenomenal year from a guy who was probably the 12th man on the bench a year ago and now is an integral, a scorer, you know, a sixth guy off the bench. Who's that? Doug McDermott. Ah, yeah, you're right. You're because, right. Because he he never fit in Thibodeau's system because Thibodeau was so defensive minded, and, and McDermott is not a great defender at all. I mean, he really he really works hard on on the end, but he's not a great defender. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that Hoiberg's system doesn't necessarily work, mind you. But what it's done is it's allowed McDermott to not so much focus on, but just go out and be the guy that he is. And he's a guy who's put up, you know, 20, 30 a night yeah. on big nights when they needed somebody to be a scorer, and he has. Yeah, he's he's been a key part. But that's another thing that I'm saying about uh, if the Raptors play the Bulls, you just – the Bulls have so many variables, and it's either going to click or it's not. So, I the mean, Bulls, it's either going to click and, and really roll or – The Bulls' biggest variable is, one, right, the fact that with Hoiberg, they, their defense is horrible – and two, the the fact that their defense is horrible is in large part because of injuries. Their best defensive guy and the guy that kind of sets that all up is Joe Kim Noah. He's out for the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and this is and this has been the story for the Bulls for the past half decade. They're never healthy, Ever. never healthy. Ever from that first round series way back when, 
against the Sixers when Rose and Noah went out in back-to-back games. That was the downfall for that organization. And until they're ready to hit the eject button, it's just an ever-ending cycle. And maybe after this season, they'll finally hit that eject button with guys leaving and Rose in the last year, and maybe they try and flip him for something. But the eject button is coming soon for not only the team on the court, but probably for that front office. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, I mean, there's just... I don't know. Besides, you're right. Besides Warrior Spurs, playoffs probably aren't going to be too exciting. Personally, I'll be looking. I'll be tuning into all the Clippers and Warriors games just because I love to watch. Personally, them play. I'll be watching baseball because I don't care until you wake me up. For well, that. you will be alone in that because the MLB or the NBA playoffs is where it's at, man. They're fun to watch. They are fun to I, watch. Let me ask you this, okay? NBA playoffs or NHL playoffs? Because they run the same time. I, I mean, I'm watching NBA over over NHL. Uh, you're, you're but I'm not. also from the South, so it's a little different down here. We don't really – I mean, I, I do love hockey a lot. I really do. But I'm just going basketball over hockey any day. You're just upset because you don't have your thrashers anymore. That is ridiculous, though, that we don't have the thrashers. But that's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> with the – switching gears again to the NFL, because this is something that's really intriguing to me. Robert Griffin the third. You know, he is probably the top free agent left, I guess. At least I would say. You might think there might be another dude out there. Because, I mean, I guess the thing with Robert Griffin, you're just not sure. It, it's, it depends which Robert Griffin it is. Now, him and the Cleveland Browns are in, are in talk, supposedly. I just, I just as a quarterback, I just cannot imagine signing with the Browns. I mean, it's like a death wish. It's literally just begging for your career to be over. I, I don't know. Where do you think Robert Griffin, what should he do? Because... I don't know if he's undercover talking to the Broncos or, you know, the the 49ers, but I just don't know why you would go to the Browns besides being guaranteed a starting job. Well, well the Broncos are all set, right? They got Mark Sanchez. They do have Mark Sanchez, but uh, I have been reading that they <laughs> that they would like to sign. Oh, a that guy. was just trust me. That was a joke. Oh, okay. Was, okay. I was like, I was like, well, yeah, they do have Mark Sanchez, but uh, he's terrible. So, uh, yeah, but I know uh, they would like to sign a guy like Robert Griffin. Yeah. Here's the thing. If Robert Griffin you know, can get signed by the Broncos and go in and compete against Mark Sanchez, then obviously that is, you know, for him the best. For the Broncos, I don't know if I would want RG3. For the way that team is built, I don't know if I want him. For me, if it's Sanchez or RG3, Sanchez is a better fit. And why is that? You want... The best way I can put it is think about... The, the 2000 Ravens, okay, with, uh, oh, good Lord, was it, was it Dofer back then? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, somebody like that. It was They didn't have a quarterback. Let's put it that way. They didn't need a guy that could lead you down the field. They needed a game manager. They just want somebody who's not going to turn the ball over and can move the ball, you know, can throw the ball a little bit, you know, and just kind of move it. Their defense is going to win. It, same thing last year. All right, Peyton turned the ball uh, through 17 interceptions. <laughs> Terrible. And they still won a title. They don't need a great quarterback right now. They just need somebody who's not going to be a detriment. Definitely, or, but that's the thing with Mark Sanchez. Don't you think he could be a detriment? Because he has been a turnover machine in his career. You've got it. All right, here's what I'm going to – and ugh, I can't believe I'm about to do this, but here's where I'm going to defend Mark Sanchez for a second. <laughs> Okay, and this is this is just in the pure Sanchez versus RG three battle. Okay, RG three is a mobile quarterback who can't stay in the pocket. He's also injury prone. Okay, and you know his 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 brief, you know, although injury plagued postseason appearance didn't go too well. Mark Sanchez played two AFC title games yes. and led a very similar built team. Built Great on defense. the ball and defense, and on, and defenses that weren't as good as this Broncos defense, and led them to AFC title games and games that they that they lost, and it wasn't Mark Sanchez's fault. Yeah, it's just like it's funny you say that because I remember back when the Jets were really good when Mark Sanchez was just new in the league because that's when the Saints were just becoming really good and you know obviously I'm a big Saints fan and I remember them playing the Jets and it was like a possible Super Bowl matchup whatever and then it's just like after like the first three years the wheels just fell off of the organization and it just affected it's like it just affected Mark Sanchez in the head like the organization just caused him to become a completely different player it's really weird how it all happened Sanchez needs to be in a very 
organized, constructed system. The Chip Kelly system wasn't going to work because it's real real fast-paced, quick decisions, whatever. So turnovers there, I'm not surprised about. But, I mean, you look at what Rex Ryan did in those first few years, running the ball a ton, defense, you know. And he used to tell, and he used to tell Mark on third and longs, don't be afraid to have us punt the ball. We'll get it back. And that's the same thing here with Denver. Just don't turn it over. Just don't put, just don't put them in short situations where they're going to be guaranteed points. Uh-huh. Make them go down the field and let our defense go get you the ball back. So no, RG RG three to Denver doesn't work. Um, bringing back to the Cleveland thing, if I'm RG three and Cleveland desperately wants me, I do it because here's the thing. Yeah, Cleveland's horrible, and as a quarterback, you're right. I don't know why anybody would want to go there. But how many teams are knocking on RG3's door offering him a starting job right now? Not many. I mean, none really besides probably the Browns. You get, He has to go somewhere where he's going to start and he can try and build his value. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes the most – like it makes sense, but at the same time, it's just the fact that you're going to Cleveland. It's like you're just going to end your career because what have they had, like 20 quarterbacks in the past like, year? I, I, like, And I see what you're saying, but it's just, I don't know, Cleveland sucks. <laughs> Would you rather have RG3 or Kaepernick? I think I'd rather have Kaepernick. I, uh, that's a tough question, though, because RG3 was so promising at the very, very beginning. and I mean, Kaepernick was too, and then they both just completely fell apart. So I guess it's just you're kind of banking on which one is going to bring him back. I don't know. Here's here's my biggest confusion with Kaepernick is with Chip Kelly in San Francisco, that seems to be the ideal system yeah. for him. And yet he desperately, well, reportedly, he desperately wants to run away. It doesn't make sense. I just, I, I've heard rumors that he has a girlfriend in New York and this and that. It, it oh, just, Ka- Kaep- Kaepernick to the Jets is, is oh, that's back page nightmares. <laughs> that's back page yeah. nightmares. It really okay, is. As a giant fan who loves jet misery, by all means, go by yeah. all means, Kaepernick go to the Jets. <laughs> Very interesting stuff. And I mean, you got a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick too. I mean, what about the Broncos and Ryan Fitzpatrick? Would he not be a good fit there? I think he's asking way too much, but I, I mean, I feel like he'd be a good fit because he's kind of a game manager, like we talked about. I was like, he's the same mold of a Sanchez, but I mean, you know, again, like you said, he's asking for like. 13 14 million a yeah, year crazy the, right the jets don't want to pay that the broncos don't want to pay that and you know for a guy who's very similar to mark sanchez i mean you're paying sanchez peanuts why you're gonna bring in the same exact guy for yeah you know that much more uh-huh. so and he's only that, had one good year in the nfl ever anyways i was gonna say i don't well i mean you think of, you think of fitzpatrick and you think of before he went to the jets with buffalo and all those buffalo teams you know, uh-huh. he had that like that one really like standout year. Yeah. And Buffalo had all that talent. And you're like, OK, this is the and then he just he never could get them over the hump. And, you know, like what we saw there at the, at the very end with the Jets is when the games matter the most, that's when he finds a way to turn the ball over. I mean, I remember uh, what was it now? Five years ago, four or five years ago, the the. The last year that the Giants won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick's still on the Bills, a game there at the Meadowlands, mm-hmm. a big game for the Bills. And again, they have a chance there late in the game to tie or take the lead, and he he turns the ball over. That's been his MO his entire oh, career. Yeah. I mean, that's just him to and that's not and, and going back to what we said about a game manager who's not going to turn the ball over, that's not what Denver wants. Right, exactly. Which is what Peyton Manning was, <laughs> and they still won in spite of that. But I mean, that's where he was in the regular season. But look at look yeah, at he what was he better did in the playoffs. Post-season. I was gonna say he didn't turn the ball over a ton in the postseason. He didn't score any touchdowns or throw for any yards, but he didn't turn the ball over either. So <laughs> hey, we're not talk- we're not worried about scoring points. Right. Just don't turn the ball over. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you know, another free agent that I like a lot is Nick Fairley. He's you know kind of all season stuff. Uh, you know, hasn't been the stud coming out of college that everyone thought, but I still think he's a pretty good player, and I would love for my team to snag him. What do you think about him? If you're signing Nick Fairley, you're signing him with the idea of you're trying to open Pandora's box. Yeah. Because like you said, he's never been that guy. Yeah. You know, he was, wow, what was he? He was a top three pick. Oh, yeah, he was a stud. Yeah. Back, yeah. He was with and, Auburn and Cam. and, and all Yeah, that. 
Yeah, and he's just never been that guy. I mean, when the Lions drafted him, you know, I, I think he was two. I think he was second overall or third. You know, him and Sue were supposed to be the bookends. You know what? You know what the Giants had with, with Strahan and Tuck Fairley and Sue uh-huh. was supposed to be for the tra- and that just never happened. So you know, why why is that? Guys like him and Jadavion Clowney. Why does this happen? It's really weird because these guys just beyond well, dominate Clowney, in college. Clowney's a different situation. Clowney's never on the field. Never. But you he know, also. I mean, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like even when he is on the field, even though he has no, made I, some I, impact. I, yeah, when he's on the field, he's not that. You know, he's not that havoc wreaker that everybody thought. He right. Was. Yeah. But you know. College is still a different game than the pros, as it is in ever in any other league. You know, guys that you know dominate in college because they feast on other guys who just make the mistakes. Those mistakes aren't there in the NFL. Yeah, no, definitely They're, not. And, definitely mis- not. and the mistakes that you're making that people aren't taking advantage of get taken advantage of in the NFL. You know, and not to mention the coaching is better in the NFL. You know, you can scheme to, you know, take out, uh, you know, look at what happens with J.J. Watt in the playoffs. You know, as great as uh-huh. J.J. Watt is, I mean, you can scheme to make him a non-factor. Definitely. You know, so, I, you know, I don't think it's, you know, necessarily a player, you know, a player issue. I think it's 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 a talent issue. You know, it's the same thing with quarterbacks. You have so many things have to go right for a quarterback to be good in the NFL, okay? Not only do you have to have the physical attributes and the talent yourself, but you need the right coaching, the right scheme, and Mm -hmm. things like that. You know, Colin Kaepernick is a perfect example. Look at how good he was with Jim Harbaugh and how bad he was without him. Which just, just, I mean, I can't even hardly talk about it. It pisses me off so bad. The 49ers, the way they did Harbaugh. I mean, it's just one of the dumbest decisions ever. And, I mean, they just imploded ever since then. Maybe Chip Kelly will get them back, but... I think it's pretty clear they made the wrong choice. That's also a whole other argument, but I don't know. Just crazy. Um, I'm trying to think any other free agents. Anquan Bolden, stud. You know, he'd Bolden, be a, he'd be a good pickup for sure. Bolden's out there. I mean, the Giants. You know, depending on what Bolden's price is, the Giants could be a could be a fit it's, for Bolden, especially need, the way they've been spending money. I would say they need. Well, they need a uh, a third receiver. You know, maybe even necessarily uh-huh. a number two receiver. You know, they got Cruz to restructure, but can you count on Victor Cruz, who hasn't played in basically two years? <laughs> you know, so with Ruben Randall gone, you know, they need another receiver. But I mean, guys that have uh, you know signed. I mean, we talked. You just you just brought up the Giants. You know, they got Damon Harris yeah. from, the, from the Jets. You know, uh, they got Janoris Jenkins. You know, they they spent big money. Oliver Ver- uh, Vernon, you know, the huge deal. You know, but uh, some other signings that happened. Uh, you know, Doug Martin stayed. I was a little surprised at that. Malik yeah. Jackson went. Malik Jackson went from the Broncos to the Jaguars. And, and are the Jaguars building something? I mean, because I just don't I understand that. Like, like the Jaguars have pieces, but I can't. I, I find it really hard to buy into them. Well, and for me, I just cannot justify spending that much money on a defensive lineman like that. Like. Not to not to mention. Speaking of the Jaguars, I don't understand this. They have, oh god, what what is his name? Escape me now. The young the young kid that they that they drafted last year, the running back. Oh uh, god, what is his name? He's a stud. <laughs> I like him. Um, oh, it's gonna bother me now. God, I cannot think of his name. But anyways, what what about him? And then they brought Chris Ivory in. Oh I, wait, uh, God, what's his name? T.J. Yeldon is that? Yes. Yeah, yes. Thank yeah. Yeah. You. Right, you have Yeldon, who you know didn't blow doors on uh, last year, but he's a solid back, you yeah. know. And and you brought Chris Ivory in, and they're going to split carries. And, and Chris Ivory, not, I mean, like, he's, not every he's good. team needs to be that needs to be this two headed back. It doesn't. Not every team needs to do that. You're you're crippling Yeldon's Yeldon's development by this. That's not a good move. No, it's not a good move. But I mean, like, like I was saying, you know. I mean, even a guy like J.J. Watt, I just have a hard time justifying paying him quarterback money because at the very most, they touch the football twice or three times a game. I mean, they just don't make near as much of an impact. I just, I don't know, to, to pay that much money for a defensive player, I mean, they better have an unbelievable season. And very, very, very rarely do they live up to that hype. Um, so it's just hard for me to, to justify spending that much money on someone that doesn't even score or touch the football. All right, what do we think of uh, Danny Trayvon going again from the Broncos to the Bears, who 
seemingly, seemingly have been looking for linebackers since Urlacher left. You know, it's just part of, part of the thing. I just, I don't know. I wrestle with this one because part of me thinks it's a good move. And then part of me is just like, I don't know if it's going to work out the way they want it to. Um, the bears, I just, first of all, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them as like an organization. They just, they've been so close to getting it right. It seems like they just can't quite do it. But what, what did you think about the move? Well, they got, they got Trayvon and they got uh Freeman from, from the Colts. And those are two solid linebackers. Um, you know, they lose Forte. Forte went to the Jets, which we'll talk about here yeah. in a second. They're, you know, they're going to keep Jeffrey. You know, the, it's so – they're kind of like in a catch-22 situation. It's like if the defense uh-huh. is good, Cutler turns the ball over and they find a way to lose. When Cutler's not being a detriment, then the defense can't hold it up. Can they find a way to mesh the two and win some football games? Because if they ever sync up, then maybe that team could be good. But they always find a way for one end not to match up with the other. Yeah, so I I don't know. I, I Really, that's just something where you just kind of got to wait and see how it's going to turn out because it's just it's just hard to tell. Um, but Forte to, uh, to the Jets. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I, I, I like it. I think it's a pretty good move for the Jets. But at the same time, injuries and an older running back, so... Not just that, but who's throwing him the football? Yeah, no, I mean nobody. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> you brought up the Saints. Kobe Fleener goes from his college yeah. and NFL quarterback Andrew Luck, where he never flourished, and now he's going to Drew Brees. Gonna be gonna be interesting because it's two definitely different systems. Um, I like the move. I I mean. <laughs> I'm very, very, very biased, so whatever I say probably shouldn't count. I think it's, I don't know, I feel like it's a it's a pretty good move, and I think it could potentially be a really good move, but it also could, could be a bust. It's just one of those things that's going to be hard to tell until we see how it works in the Saints system because it's just different. What about the, let's, let's switch here for a second away from free agents to a trade. DeMarco Murray... Mm-hmm. goes from the Eagles to the Titans for nothing. Literally nothing. Um, you know, obviously for the Titans, I love the move. I, I DeMarco Murray didn't have a great year. Um, part of me thinks that he didn't. Ha- it's because he didn't have that beastly offensive line like he had in Dallas. Part of me thinks that everything that was going on in Philadelphia last year was just a disaster, so he still got you know some of that DeMarco in him. I like the move for the Titans. I mean, I don't see... I don't really see how it's a bad move for them because, you know, they're young. They're trying things out. They got a really young, promising quarterback. I think it's a pretty good move. What do you think? For the Titans, I think. It'll help Mariota. You know, the question is, is how good is that offensive line? If Murray doesn't have an offensive line, he's not going to run anywhere. He's not that type of running back. You know, so if they if they can do some work on that offensive line, I think it's a good move. If if it's the same offensive line as they had last year, I don't think Murray's going to be anything – much better than he was. Yeah, you know he's a, he's a north south guy who needs to find holes. If there aren't holes to be found, he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, um, I think at least it gives them the presence of mind of having Demarco Murray in the backfield. And it, and again, there there is another team that's trying to do the two headed running back thing. Mm-hmm. They've got Murray, and they brought back Antonio Andrews. Yeah, another uh, another trade. The Patriots go out and get Martellus Bennett. Yeah. yeah. You talk about two big boys that you can put on the ends now. <laughs> Whew. I'll tell you what. I'll say this. I'll Pat- tell you what. If they don't have like 97% red zone efficiency this year, <laughs> I'll be stunned. Because they're just going to put Gronk on one side, yep. Bennett on the other side, and just tell Tom, throw it up to one. I just – the Patriots are going to be so good this year. It's just going to be stupid. I mean, assuming Tom Brady doesn't – um hit that plateau that every quarterback hits at that age, which I don't hey, think he will so, because he's not hey, human. Don't, for, don't forget that looming suspension that we're still yeah, dealing with. Yeah, which is just crazy that that's even still going on. But uh, Brady's not a human, so I doubt he'll hit that. But um, I think the Patriots are gonna obviously going to be the team to beat this year. They, they, I, I, th- I still think that they were the best team healthy last year overall in the NFL, but of course injuries and a bunch of other factors did them in. Um but I, man, that's a great move for the Patriots. I at least I think 
uh, it's some people actually that I talked to didn't like the move, but I, I thought it was a really good move. I, I feel like it's going to really benefit them, like you said, especially in the red zone. Listen, if Martellus Bennett doesn't go all Aaron Hernandez and go to jail, yeah. then then they're fine. You know, Martellus, Martellus Bennett isn't, you know, he's not Gronk, no. but he's a very above average tight end. And he's got size, which isn't something you can teach. No, you definitely can't. I mean, he's a guy that a lot of people would take on their team right now, no question about it. And the fact that the Patriots already have Gronk, I mean, it's just a plus one, really. Another tight end, going back to free agents, Darius Green, who was always kind of stuck behind Antonio Gates in San Diego, goes to Pittsburgh and Big Ben. And I'll I'll tell you what, this, like, for fantasy people, this is the guy. Yeah. Because when Gates was down early in the year, Green was having a field day with Rivers in San Diego, right? And then Gates came back, and that kind of blocked him again. Yeah, he's got—he's not going to get blocked at all. And Big Ben loves using his tight ends. Just ask Keith Miller. Now he's got a big boy and Ladarius Green. And that offense is something serious too. With the health, with the healthy running backs, that offense is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Last last guy I want to bring up, only because you know he's. He's like the Illuminati where he comes and he looks really good and then he gets hurt again. You never see him again. Arian Foster. Yeah, yeah. What's going to happen with Arian Foster? Because that's that's what I'm (laughs) asking you. That is just tough, man. Like I've been wondering the exact same thing and I just, I don't know. I really don't know what happens with Arian Foster. I mean, he, what is, he's 29. He's, uh, he's coming back from an Achilles injury. But if he wasn't coming back from that injury, I mean, I'd say he's probably the top free agent left, no question about it. Uh, his rehab, I read, was going good, but it's just like he's a he 29-year-old com- running back. If he wasn't coming back from an injury, Texans might even keep him. Probably would be crazy not to, I would say. I was say but he's never, he, you know, he had like the huge couple of years and then he's never been healthy. Never. Yeah, um... He he really has never been healthy, and he's he's good when he's healthy too. He really is. I, I really like him as a player what a do, lot. Spe- speaking of running backs, this, I just remember. What do you think of Alfred Morris to the Cowboys? Because that's the uh, that's the report that he's meeting with Dallas today with the intention of him not leaving the building. I think that it's a good move, and I think that it would help Dallas a lot because. I think Dallas is going to be good this year. I really do. I think people are kind of sleeping on him because they just kind of forget that Romo was hurt. And, I mean, Romo is just obviously, clearly, they go as Romo goes. And I think Romo is a really good quarterback. He's obviously had tons of injuries and is getting older. But I think they're going to be pretty good this year. And I think that this could really help their offense if they could give them a decent little running game. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? All right. Well, here's here's my thought. One, what's the difference between Alfred, Alfred Morris and DeMarco Murray? Well... I mean, besides uh, having that offensive line in Dallas that DeMarco Murray had. No, no, no. no. Forget, forget, forget lines and teams or whatever. Just look at them as runners. Is there a difference between DeMarco Murray and, and Alfred Morris? I, I wouldn't really say there's a huge difference. I mean, personally, oh, like from watching okay. them. Okay, fine. So based off of that, would you sign Alfred Morris, free agency, and give him whatever you're going to end up giving him? Or would you have gotten DeMarco Murray, who you know, for the draft pick? Now, we may be looking at less money for Morris than what Murray's getting, you know, in his deal. You know, maybe that was a factor, but, you know, it's the devil you know again, the devil you don't. Exactly. And they wanted no part of Murray. No part. So, a very interesting scenario, to say the least. Um I, I still think that if they could sign him, that'd be a great move for them, and I think that they could really help their offense out that way. But uh, it's true. Devil you know and devil you don't know. That's a great way to put it, honestly. The uh, other – getting off of the free agents, mm-hmm. th- this other thing I want to touch on football-related is this report that came out today about regular season – well, we're going to start with singular game before we go to games, but one game, regular season – being played in China, yeah, as early as 2017. What the hell? I, I mean, like, first of all, I understand the economic 
perspective of it. You want to expand the game. You want to get it in front of new eyes and this and that. But at the same time, it's just unfair to the players. I mean, they got to travel across the world, and then they got to travel back and play a team that was in the States the whole time. There's so many different things that go into it, but I just think it's a terrible idea, personally. I understand the idea of you want to make this game global. Right. And the London thing, you can sort of tie in. You know, we're getting the rugby guys now who are coming over and, and trying to make football careers and uh-huh. things like that. So there's a, what the hell is the tie-in with China? Does China have this huge football base that I'm unaware of? How many Chinese players are in the NFL right now? Shoot. <laughs> Good point. I, be- are, are... I, venture to, I venture to say zero unless yeah. there's a hidden one that I'm unaware of. But, it, uh, oh, God, this makes no sense. And what time are the games going to start? <laughs> For real, though, like, <laughs> like the London game starts at like what eight o'clock in yeah, the morning? In the morning, okay. And you got to watch it online because nobody shows it on the TV. Uh-huh. You know, which I, I mean, I guess it doesn't bother people, but still, I mean, so if we've got a London game, I mean, I'm not waking up at five in the morning no. to watch an NFL game. Absolutely not. Like, I mean, especially if it's not my team, I'm not even considering it. <laughs> yeah, it's bad enough. I got to go through the London game this year with the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, that's and like I said, I think it's really unfair to the players too because it's just I mean, that puts a beating on you going around the world to play a football game and then coming back to play a team that didn't go anywhere. Um I don't <laughs> Not to mention they never have a good matchup. They never, never do. it's never a good matchup. Like you never like it's you know, you, you go into the season with, you know, you have teams that are gonna be but you have your you know, your stellar teams, you know, your teams that you know are going to be good. Yeah. You never get, like, Patriots, Steelers, or something like that. Never. It's like Dolphins, Jaguars, or, you know, something. Yeah, it's like, why do you, like, you're going to do an international game in an effort to globalize this thing and, you know, you know, be the four, like, so why do you put slop on there? Yeah, bring some superstars over there. Good lord, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um... So yeah, I think that about covers it for NFL. I really want to get into UFC, but uh, oh, here we go. I uh, I want to expand on it. So I want to ask you: Would you rather wait till Thursday where we can really dive in, or would you want to hit it now? We can hit it now because we can always expand on it more. Because okay. this is going to be an argument. Now. Yeah, definitely. And we'll we, we can we'll just give our opinions here. But uh, so we have UFC 200, the lineup getting set up, and there's a lot of rumors about Conor McGregor. Facing Nate Diaz, Diaz, whatever we also, you pronounce it, and we also have the uh, the Travis Brown fight yeah. against uh, Velasquez. I think, uh-huh. it is. yeah, pretty sure. Uh, so that's so that's another that that fight's actually confirmed. So we know that one's going right. to be on. There. Should be a good fight for sure. And then yes, the McGregor Diaz non-title fight, non-title fight. Wait, wait, and this is interesting fight. because you know Diaz was saying. You know, I'm sure he would like a rematch with me. I, I would like a rematch with a lot of people, too. I kind of acted like he wasn't going to give it to him, but that's kind of where money talks, and it's kind of hard to turn down the money he'd probably be getting for that. Um, so I'll just give you my opinion on it. I think it'd be freaking awesome. I mean, I can't imagine anything better than Conor McGregor, the people's champ, coming back in there, you know, defending himself, <laughs> getting his getting his confidence back and getting that W after he had already dominated Diaz in a fight and just happened to get choked out. But uh, I think he's a better fighter. I really do. I think if he can train at that weight for a little bit longer, it's a different fight because he doesn't get gassed so easily. I think it'd be awesome. I think UFC would, would kill it with the ratings, and I think I think it would just be amazing. So so what are you thinking? Did you not just see this fight? Oh, I saw it. I, I saw it for sure. Is this a fight that you absolutely can't live without? I mean, I just feel like if McGregor comes in there, and redeems himself. I mean, think of the storylines that that generates for UFC. This is UFC 200. Okay? This is supposed to be the biggest pay-per-view of all time. Go back and look at the UFC 100 card. Top yeah. to bottom and look at the names on that card. Great, Mag- great lineup. McGregor-Diaz rematch is desperation. That tells me they've got nothing, nothing when it comes to this card. There's not going to be GSP. There's not going to be Jones. Maybe, maybe you're going to get Rousey, but there's not going to be anything on this card. This card is going to be a disgrace. It's going to be a dumpster fire that the UFC already is. Yeah, but if they can get Rousey and just with McGregor's name alone – I just feel like if it's going to generate a lot of hype, I just feel like that rematch factor is going to really get a lot of people fired up. 
you're going to have a if you get McGregor, the McGregor Diaz rematch, okay, and then maybe you get Rousey along with the Velasquez Brown fight. You have a solid pay per view that will bring eyeballs to the screen. Yeah. Yes, but is it? The, that's not the question. The question is: Is it UFC two hundred worthy? Well, no, no, it's not. Yeah, but I mean, what other options do they really have? But, but they've got they've got options. They've got options. That that is going to be bigger than McGregor Diaz. The the return of GSP. That'd be nice. I mean, is that is that confirmed or is that? In- My point is, is they've been talking all this time, okay? And now the and now the word is is that's going to be the headline. And that tells me that they they can't get GSP, and that's a problem. Maybe, maybe. Um, so clearly, okay. we we have different thoughts on this, and uh, we're definitely going to dive into on Thursday. But great show today. C- killed a lot of topics. Really enjoyed some of the stuff we talked about. Glad to be back uh, hitting the studio with Dan. And we will see you guys on Thursday. <clears throat>